Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. You are listening to episode 156 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. If you are a new listener and you're just tuning into our show, I wanted to invite you to download our checklist, the 101 ways that you can spice up your sex life. This is the list I curated based on many years of experience of working with clients. And one of the number one complaints that I get from couples in a long-term relationship is sex is no longer exciting and we are bored or I'm checked out during sex. If you're struggling with that, that's very normal, but there are things you can do to stay more engaged during sex and make sex exciting again. And the list I curated is does include lots of different activities that you can do. And it's not necessarily all very wild or very conservative. I made sure that I created a continuum of activities so there is something for everyone. So you can find the link to the checklist on the show notes. I'm very excited about this conversation that we're having today. We're going to talk about labiaplasty or vaginal rejuvenation. This is a question that comes up very often in my in my office with my clients. The demand of labiaplasty has increased rapidly over past decades, and I feel we don't know much about the psychological outcome of this procedure. Uh, we don't know what entails. So there are so many questions I had when it was coming to labiaplasty. The first time I heard about it, I feel a little bit ashamed because the first time I ever heard about this procedure was through my sex therapy training with Dr. Beeler. I didn't even know that that's the surgery that people are getting. And my perspective about it, my attitude about the surgery changed. And many of the, one of the reason is because of the conversations I had with many women who got the surgery and also my colleagues who were plastic surgeon. So I thought it would be a wonderful opportunity to invite a plastic surgeon that I know and I trust to answer some of these questions for us. Because many of the women have questions about their genital. They they don't know if they, they're not happy with the look of aesthetic of their vulva. They're not happy about the labia minora. So Dr. Joanna Nguyen will answer many of the burning questions that you guys have about this topic. Again, I truly trust her and I know she's one of the best plastic surgeons in LA. So I feel confident that her the information she presented was accurate. Dr. Joanna Novin is a board certified plastic and reconstructive surgeon in Los Angeles, California with expertise in all fields of plastic surgery, including aesthetic, reconstructive, pediatric, hand and burn surgery. She has a particular interest in aesthetic surgery of the eyes and face, breast surgery, and labiaplasty. 
Dr. Nguyen completed six years of formal plastic and reconstructive surgical training at the prestigious Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery Program at USC. During her training, Dr. Nguyen operated at premier hospitals on the West Coast, including Cedar sinai Medical Center and USC Keck Medical Center. Dr. Nguyen lives with her husband and her daughter in Los Angeles, and in her free time, she enjoys exercising, cooking, listening to music, and traveling. She has tons of great accolades, and we can find her full bio in the show notes below. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Joanna Nguyen. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to have Dr. Joanna Nguyen in our show. Dr. Joanna, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. It's such a privilege to be welcomed onto your show. I'm an avid listener and can't wait to share. Yeah, no, thank you so much for checking out the podcast. I was, before the conversation, the recording started, I was sharing with you that how inspirational it is that you have a successful, thriving plastic surgery practice. And I see all this wonderful, all, all things that are also happening in your personal life and in hobbies and everything. So guys, I really recommend you guys following her page. We can, we'll leave a link in the show notes for Instagram account. So I know as a plastic surgeon, you perform number of different surgeries. One thing that I want us to focus on is on labioplasty. So I guess first question that comes to my mind is that is there any kind of medical guideline or aesthetic kind of guideline around how one's labia needs to look like? Sure. I think before we dive into that, um, labioplasty is a lot more common now than it has been in the past. And it's referring to any surgery on the female genitalia. However, the majority of people who use the term labiaplasty use it in reference to a surgery on the labia minora specifically, which are the inner, inner lips of the vagina, which are covered by the outer hair-bearing lips or the vulva. And so typically, the majority of people are referring to the labia minora when they're referring to labiaplasty alone. And based on... Well, first of all, I want to say everyone comes in different shapes and sizes, and it's completely wonderful and okay. Just certain people tend to have slightly longer um, labia minora, and that can impact certain activities such as wearing certain clothing or exercise in certain activities. And so when I am performing labiaplasty, I use the outer hair-bearing vulva as the guideline as to how long the labia minora should be. Naturally, the um, labia majora should be sheltering, protecting the inner labia minora from any trauma or irritation. So I use that as a guideline. Well, thank you for that clarification. And also, I was wondering that I agree with you that there is a definitely a variety and it's completely normal. So how can women realize that, okay, this is a problem versus this is something that's kind of normal variety that I'm different than other people and there's nothing wrong with that? Well, it's definitely a personal issue and how someone feels about themselves. Honestly, I think if someone is thinking about getting the surgery or thinking about that part of their body a lot of the day, then they should probably see someone to see that they're a candidate for labiaplasty if it's truly bothering them. You can get two people with the exact same appearing 
labia and one of them is thinking about it all day long and the other one isn't thinking at all about this ever, then one person is a good candidate for surgery and the other one isn't even though they physically look exactly the same. So that's my guideline for it. I see. And that, and that makes sense. And as far as you mentioned that it might get in the way of some physical activities, can you elaborate on sexual activities? Can you elaborate on that? Sure. So um, it's very common for women to come in and say that before they wear certain clothing, bikinis or tight fitting jeans, they have to rearrange themselves just to, so, just so they appear more feminine so there isn't a bulge in the area. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of certain other activities, specifically cycling or horseback riding where there's a lot of irritation in the area, they tend to refrain from these activities just because it's not very comfortable. So it's more about discomfort, at least a majority of people that notice this is uncomfortable for me, even physically, you know, like it's impacting their clothing, my options for clothing. And that that's one reason that people might consider the surgery. As far as like the guideline around the surgery and the aesthetic part of it, I, I was kind of curious about if this is something that evolves throughout like past few decades or not. Because when I think about breast augmentation surgery, I remember the guideline mm-hmm. and the preference was significantly different. Like 20, 30 years ago, people wanted to be significantly yeah. having bigger breasts. And now the options are like people choose to be going for more natural look. Is that this might be a plastic also change as far as the, what people are interested on these days? Um, that's an excellent question and an excellent comparison. And I agree with you. The trends per se of um, breast augmentation surgery have been evolving currently. I think labiaplasty is just rising in the forefront of plastic surgery and everyone's mind just being able to learn about labiaplasty. So we, it's uncertain if the trends will change in the future, but currently the trend of having the labia minora at, at or just below the level of the vulva is pretty standard, very anatomical. You don't want to create labia minora that are too thin because you can have problems down the line. That makes sense. And how common it is? Like, do you have lots of clients that are coming in for consultation for that? I know we both live in LA, so I'm kind of curious if this is a common surgery. It is a common surgery. And I actually, based on the data from the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, there's been a huge increase in the number of labiaplasties performed in the past few years with an overall increase of 38%, 39 wow. almost 40% in from 2015 to 2016. And that's nationally compared to 30% increase, 28% in California alone. And in my practice right now, it happens to be the number one surgery that I perform. And I love it so much because With breast augmentation surgery, I love that surgery. It's amazing, but it's a lot easier to show off your breast. And then (laughs) people tend to to forget who did their breast augmentation. But with the labiaplasty, it's a more intimate, personal procedure. No one knows about it, but only the patient. And just to see the transformation that they undergo, just because it's not on their mind, it's not weighing on them, and they just seem to have this weight lifted off of them and they're able to just be themselves. 
I really, really love Lady Plastery, so that's why I perform it. And you're right that I, I heard from my clients that they did the surgery, that they felt more confident, even although, as you said, can be the changes, not something that everyone would see, perhaps only mm-hmm. their lover and themselves they would see is that, okay, they feel like they carry themselves even differently in the world and in the relationship. Exactly. So that can be transformative, as you said. Exactly. So tell us, so with this surgery, what is the process like? Is it a, I would imagine it's something that they do. Is it on surgery room? Is it outpatient surgery? Tell us more information about that. Sure. It's an outpatient procedure that is performed in a surgery center. Depending on the patient, you can have it performed under local anesthesia where they're completely awake. They can have a little oral sedation just to calm their nerves. Or if they're a little bit more on the anxious side, then they can opt for general anesthesia and be completely comfortable and anesthetized. The overwhelming majority of my patients who are only undergoing labiaplasty alone choose to undergo labiaplasty under local anesthesia with a tiny bit of oral sedation. They come in that morning, they get a very strong numbing cream applied to the area. We wait 30 minutes. Then we head back to the operating room, get everything set up. Everything is cleaned up and I make my markings. Finally, by this point, the numbing cream has done its job and I can delicately inject the area. And this is usually very painless. And I proceed with surgery. Takes about an hour and a half to two hours, depending on what needs to be done. And then we're talking, listening to music throughout the procedure. And then the dressings go on and my patients can head on home. Oh, wow. So significantly less involved and less kind of like medically, I guess, involved compared to breast augmentation. So people, they don't need to stay overnight. Exactly. Less, there's no implants involved Um, with breast augmentation that you have to go under the muscle. That can be slightly more uncomfortable than the labiaplasty. It's pretty... It's pretty nice. (laughs) (laughs) So what are some of the risks that you always tell clients about? So with every surgery, if it is a surgical procedure, I always remind people, um, there's a risk, typical risk of any surgery include bleeding. I control bleeding as we're going along, infection. I clean the area, um, use sterile instruments. This area, for for example, is never going to be completely sterile, and I like to avoid causing yeast infections in my patients. So um, we actually make sure we use very good aseptic technique. There's just the biggest risk that I always consider is the risk of over-resection. Like I mentioned before, if you over-resect, you can cause chronic dryness, irritation with sexual activity, and that's just not good. So I make sure I resect just to the level of the labia majora so that we don't have any of those difficulties. Have you heard about clients that after the surgery, their sexual pleasure, their sexual health been compromised, that like maybe perhaps they have less sensation or are those kind of sexual health issues is one of the side effects or you haven't had those encounters? Typically, I hear the opposite. People are very happy afterwards. In my assessment for the labiaplasty, I always assess the clitoral hood to make sure it isn't overhanging the clitoris and that it is not top-heavy after just the labia minora surgery. And so actually, especially after the clitoral hood reduction, most patients say that they have better sexual encounters just because they 
are able to clearly find the clitoris easier because mm-hmm. there isn't the extra skin overhanging it and they just feel more self-confident. And so it's just a better experience. Absolutely. That makes sense so that it's impact. If, if it has an impact, sounds like it's a positive thing because it's an easier mm-hmm. access. People might get easier access to clitoral stimulation. How long do you recommend people to refrain from having intercourse after the surgery? I, that's an excellent question. I say six weeks after surgery, um, no sexual stimulation that includes masturbation, intercourse, use of any tampons. Just have, make sure everything heals very well. And is there an age range of people that like, you know, within a certain age you're doing the surgery or as long as the person is an adult and they're willing that they, they would be a good candidate? I think as long as they're an adult and they're willing, they're a good candidate. My age range, it tends to be in two groups, the early 20s and then in the mid to late 40s. But every single one of them say that they wish they did it younger, just because it was something they always dealt with, something that always weighed on their mind. They didn't really know that it was something they could get addressed. And I agree, if someone's thinking about this, they should get it sooner rather than later, because why live with this? Right. And I am surprised hearing about the procedure and it's being outpatient surgery. And I am kind of surprised how not complicated it it possibly is and how easily it can be addressed. So I can Mm -hmm. understand that if that's something that's someone's mind for decades, they can address it. It seems like relatively easily, obviously, if they're working with a competent surgeon like yourself. In LA, sometimes we hear about mommy makeovers, that people going to surgery Mm -hmm. for mommy makeovers. Is this part of it or what what would be considered as a mommy makeover surgery? I absolutely always mention to this to my mommy makeover patients. Typically in the general plastic surgery community, a mommy makeover might refer to breast lift, possible augmentation with tummy tuck. But really it's whatever is bothering the patient after having children and giving, burying their children and giving the gift of life, whatever makes them feel better about themselves. And every single patient, I always make check in with them and make sure that this is not something they want to add in there just because I know things can get changed afterwards. And tell us, it seems like there's a menu of the options that people can choose when they, they do the mommy makeover things. What are some of the more kind of like a commonly requested surgeries that you do for, for mommy makeover? More common is the abdominoplasty, tummy tuck, with some liposuction, wherever they might be having some resistant areas of stubborn fat, and then either a breast lift or breast augmentation. And depending on the person, obviously, you have to always think about safety. You don't want to add too many surgeries in one setting and too long of an operating time. If it's just the tummy tuck and the labioplasty, then that might be it too. Fantastic. How long do you recommend people to kind of wait after they have the child to kind of think about and start looking into getting the surgery? Good question. I think at least give yourself six months. Like you just had a baby. Life is crazy. Everything has changed in your whole entire body, your whole world, your mind. Just enjoy the baby first. And then afterwards, if you need to come take a look, have, have you take a look then, that's a good time. <laughs> 
Great, great. And again, it's wonderful that there are resources out there that because I know that as, as a psychologist, there are many women, they struggle with their self-image, with their feeling sexy and attractive after having a child. And perhaps like addressing the physical changes would be one way of making sure that regain their confidence. Yes, most definitely. Having just had my baby five months ago, I completely relate to this. Wonderful, wonderful. I, like I saw some pictures on Instagram. I was like, oh my God, she just had a baby and look at her. She's so lively <laughs> and energetic. <laughs> so you're inspirational to all of us. So tell us if our listeners wanted to get a hold of you, what would be the best way to reach your office or check out the content that you have? Sure. There's lots of venues they can check out. I'm very active on Instagram. You can check me out at my Instagram handle at Dr. D-R, Joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A, Nguyen, N-G-U-Y-E-N. Also, you can also check out my website, which is Joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A, Nguyen, N-G-U-Y-E-N-M-D.com. And there you can find links to my email, the office phone number, and can even book your appointments online that way. Excellent. And guys, all those information would be in the show notes. So you don't need to worry about writing it down if if you're driving or exercising. Is there anything that you want us, our listeners to know before we close our conversation today? I just want to say that women are remarkable and amazing and having just had a baby and gone through everything, I just respect everyone so much now that I know what it's like. (laughs) And just really remember that and always respect yourself and be true to yourself and be good to yourself. Thank you. Thank you for that. And guys, again, I highly recommend to check out the information that Dr. Joanna Nguyen mentioned and also her Instagram. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I feel this is a very important topic that many people they don't have enough information about it. And it was our honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. I hope you you found my conversation with Dr. Nguyen uh, helpful and gave you good information about some of the medical guidelines when it comes to the surgery and uh, whether it gives you a good good idea whether this might be a good good option for you or not. Because I want you to, even if you decide to do the surgery, make an informed decision. I don't want you to go to someone that will not be able to give you the the results that you want or perhaps cause some damages. Uh, so definitely check out the information Dr. Uh, Novin has on her website about this procedure. Also, I don't know if you uh, listened to the previous episode or now, uh, starting month of January, I want to shower you with love and gift on our Instagram page. January is our third month, uh, third year anniversary of launching this podcast. And I, as, as I shared with you before, my love language is giving gift, uh, gifts. So every week, uh, in my Instagram page, I'm giving away tons of stuff uh, that will help you to improve your sex life and your education. Uh, I already purchased some exciting material for this giveaways. But if there are things that you're interested uh, and want to get, you can send me a link to those and perhaps I can include it in, the, in our giveaway uh, 
please make sure you are following our Instagram page uh, at Oasis to Care on Instagram. So when we are announcing these uh, giveaways, you will know about it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you guys for uh, listening to this show. And please let me know about the gift that you're interested. I love you and have a good day. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.